2: Everybody. This is BGM Radio episode number Brandon. 316. Six, he six. is Brandon Lee Gowden of Leaninggrenation.com. I am Jimmy Kempsky from Phillyvoice.com. Uh, been a little while since we recorded our last podcast. We have I have since gone to Phoenix, Arizona for the NFL owners' meetings. The Eagles made a few moves. They signed safety Terrell Edmonds from uh, formerly of the Steelers and Defensive tackle, Contavia Street, formerly of the 49ers and the Saints. So we'll get to that. We'll get to some of the takeaways from the owners' meetings out in Arizona. And uh, a little uniform talk, Kelly Green, number zero, et cetera, et cetera. But before we get to all that fun stuff, I mean, not that this isn't fun. I think the best part of the episode every week is when we discuss the finest meat snacks in the land. It's
1: tough to start the episode with the best part each week and then just instantly go down the rest of the podcast. But uh, Righteous (laughs) own Craft Turkey, you want to go to RighteousFelon.com and use discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. I just had some more of the habanero meat uh, sticks, Jimmy, the snacks. Very mm-hmm. good, very spicy. If you like spicy, um, but also flavorful, I, I hate when you get something that's spicy but it's just spice for the Sega spice, not flavor. No, that's not what this is. Agreed. This is the right combination of spice and flavor, so would definitely recommend checking those out. In addition to the other many great products that Righteous Selling has to offer, com. discount code BGN15. Jimmy, the Eagles have some new players.
2: Mm-hmm. How do you feel about them? Yeah, should we start with uh, Terrell Edmonds? I think he's the more important player here. In fact, I would call him probably the, oh, of the... They signed seven guys so far, outside players from in free agency. And they fit some similar themes. We'll get to that in a minute. But I would say that the player with the most important role is probably Marcus Mariota. Mm-hmm. And then thereafter, Terrell Edmonds. Because I think Terrell Edmonds... Rashad Penny maybe too, but I think Terrell Edmonds has the best chance of starting uh, for the 2023 Eagles. I think it'll be, I mean, as the roster stands right now, you'd pencil in Reed Blankenship and Terrell Edmonds as the starters at safety. They also signed Justin Evans. <laughs> it's funny when they signed Justin Evans, you know, like three or four Eagles beats, like all basically simultaneously said, oh, There's more. Mm. there's more moves at safety to come. Uh, so they didn't want the fan base thinking that, like, okay, this is the guy that you know we're we're you know we're thinking about starting well, especially this year, right? In the aftermath Edm- of uh, losing Chauncey Gardner Johnson, <laughs> right? But uh, Terrell Edmonds is a guy who was a former first round pick uh, of the Steelers, late first rounder, and he brings a lot of uh, enticing measurables to the table. He's got good size, six one, a little bit under two twenty. Uh, his forty time was was pretty good. Uh, he ran a four four seven. If you look at a spider chart, it's very colorful. Meaning it's when it's filled up. It means he's a very good athlete. Uh, but he's got the size. He's got the athleticism. Just had an okay career uh, with the Steelers. I don't think he's you know there's anything special there. But certainly you know not a player who. Um, was a disaster by any stretch. Like I don't think Steelers fans view him in any way as like a bust uh, or anything like that. Just a solid player for them in his five years there. He played out as the entirety of his rookie contract was not um, that the Steelers did not exercise his fifth year option, which actually made sense because they had traded for Minka Fitzpatrick, who was the same draft year as Terrell Edmonds. So they exercised his fifth year option. Couldn't afford to, Exercise two fifth-year options for, you know, two safeties. So they didn't – they wound up actually signing him in his fifth year anyway for a pretty reasonable deal, like $2.5 or something like that. Um, so he comes to Philly here, again, on a cheap deal, one year, $2 million, um Certainly a downgrade from – I mean, let's be honest, from Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. But, uh, you know, could, could be a, a, a solid, reliable safety for the Eagles. Well, not according to Pro Football Focus, if
1: you look at their oh, grades, okay. which, you know – Take him for what it's worth. They actually graded him higher than CJGJ, which I don't think, like, I don't look at that and I'm like, well, the Eagles upgraded. They definitely got a better player. But I do think you can be like, okay, uh, the point I've been raising about CJGJ, like, since even before, I, I went back and listened, by the way, to like our Stay Go podcast. And my take on him. Okay. I thought it was pretty spot on. I, I mean, I thought he would get a big deal, but I was like, I don't think this is a player. The Eagles are like dying to keep at all costs. And certainly they weren't. Um, I think you can kind of question how good he was last year um, versus what the numbers said, but anyway, not trying to make it about him. Uh, Terrell Edmonds, I think it's kind of a nice little pickup here. He's someone that I remember you and I probably both talked about last year when he was a free agent as someone who could make sense for the Eagles. Um, the folks from behind the steel curtain s b nations' Steelers' blog they all seem pretty like positive about him a lot of nice things to say about development okay. it 's not that like he was like a star in their crush. they lost him, but I think it was getting to the point where he was out there on the market and they kind of wanted him to come back like they they, they would have preferred another one year deal run it back and um, there 's actually an article that they wrote with the, after he signed with the Eagles with the headline say what you want, but Terrell Edmonds is a good NFL safety. Like So they wrote that after the fact, even after he signed with the Eagles, which is kind of mm-hmm. uh, not always usual because sometimes, you know, a player leaves and you're like, oh, that guy wasn't good anyway. Um, kind of like people, what people will accuse me of saying about John C. Gardner Johnson there. Uh, but, you know, I think this is a nice signing. It's age, athleticism, versatility. Uh, pretty much the plurality of his snaps in each season came as a box defender But he also Mm -hmm. played plenty at free safety. He also played at nickel cornerback, so he can kind of fill in different roles, just like, you know, Chauncey Gardner Johnson was able to do in terms of being a versatile player. Um, So there's some of that there. I think he might profile a little bit more as like a Marcus Epps replacement as a guy who, you know, he he doesn't make plays like you look at, you know, his career interception, pass defense totals. They're not super high. He's not going to be a guy like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But and, and Marcus Epps. You know, didn't have an interception last year. But what he was good at is coming down, playing the run, being physical, and pretty much being durable. I mean, he's usually he hasn't missed a lot of playing time. He's usually out there. So I think for the price, um, I think the Eagles got a good deal. And it's worth noting that um one of their, you know, front office members, Brandon Hunt, um, came from the Steelers and has some level of familiarity with him. The Eagles had hired mm-hmm. him last offseason to offset some of the, you know, departures they had in the front office. So so they kind of have some kind of knowledge with him. And then obviously um, Andy White left to go join the Steelers and, you know, he's there now, but I'm sure, you know, how he can kind of talk to him and kind of get the inside scoop on Terrell Edmonds um, when kind of figuring out,
2: uh, you know, if they should sign him or whatever. So I, I think it's a good ad. I mean, we may as well get to CJGJ real quick here. There's something I was going to talk about in my takeaways from the owners meetings, but as long as we're on the safety position, (laughs) I'll just address that now. And since we already mentioned him in the last podcast, I think we kind of went through essentially the nuts and bolts of what happened with that situation where the Eagles tried to sign him for the first few days of free agency. And they made offers to him the first few days, uh, offers that were better than what he ultimately signed with the Detroit Lions and the Eagles weren't getting it done with CJGJ. So they pivoted to you know try to get James you know simultaneously what was happening with James Bradbury was he went out, and he was looking for um, you know, he was looking to maximize his worth on the open market. He came to learn that the cornerback market wasn't really great, certainly better than the safety market, but wasn't that great either. Um, and he, t- he actually uh, took a lesser offer from the Eagles, than what he found out there, apparently from a couple teams, um, but he wound up signing a good deal, but not the kind of you know crazy, you know, uh, you know, break the bank kind of deal that the Eagles had no chance of matching. He signs back with the Eagles on a three-year deal worth what was it thirty-eight? I know it was twelve point seven per year, whatever that was. Uh, but they pivoted from CJGJ to Bradbury because Bradbury's market didn't materialize the way that he thought, and he was willing to come back to the Eagles for a little less the Eagles value the cornerback position a lot more than they do the safety position. So that made more sense for them to, i wound up being like kind of a happy, like accident. Like, yeah, basically like they're probably happier getting Bradbury back at the number that they got him back at than what they had offered uh, to CJGJ originally. So then when CJ GJ went out and he went, looked at, looked at his market elsewhere and didn't, find what he was hoping for, you, you know, they kind of came back to the Eagles. And at that point, the Eagles had already pushed their chips in on different players in, in Bradbury. And then by then, you know, they were already in on trying to bring Darius Slay back after they were told they, I mean, Darius Slay, was, they weren't going to pay him the 17 or 18 million or 17.5, whatever it was uh for the 2023 yeah, season. So 26.1 like uh, million. They had to lower it. Slay didn't want to take a, a pay cut. Slay went out on the open market. They allowed him to him and his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, to go search for a deal elsewhere. Didn't find anything great. And they wind up renegotiating a contract where basically he's going to be with the Eagles for two years, 23 million, as opposed to one year, 17 and a half or whatever it was. Um, So they bring back both of their corners in in addition to Vontae Maddox. And, you know, they have most of their pass rush back and they have their their three top corners back. But, you know, CJ still unsigned. At that point, CJGJ's pissed. And, you know, we all saw the tweets during free agency where it's feeling, you know, disrespectful and all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And at that point, um, I think the Eagles kind of felt like, you know, we're not going to try to bring back a player who is going to be unhappy with Mm -hmm. his contract. And who knows what, you know, how a player like that is going to react in a season that maybe doesn't go as well as the 2022 mm-hmm. season went, like, nothing went wrong in the 2022 season until, you know, like they lost a couple games at the end of the regular season. Jalen Hurts goes down, and they lose a couple games. Uh oh, we might not have the one seed. Like that was the extent of the adversity they faced in 2022. So you know they don't know how CJGJ is going to react. To you know, adversity and and a bad season because I haven't seen it. They just they know the player but and the and the person, but they don't know him that that well. So they're apprehensive, I think, about bringing back a player who you know was very clearly unhappy with with the contract that he was going to come back at if he came back. And I think at that point, they're, you know, they were just ready to move on. And as you and I, you know, had mentioned, I believe in the last podcast, it's the second time in seven months that a team tried to negotiate a new deal with CJGJ. And ultimately we're like, you know, I'll just go find another team. So, um, I mean, that's just kind of how it stands and, and, and how it went. And I think, you know, Chauncey really kind of hurt himself this year, obviously not taking, not maximizing his value, and the, and we talked about this too, but the idea that he's you know next year gonna you know have a have a you know big money deal waiting for him if he has another good season, yeah. I mean he already had as good a season as you can probably hope for in 2022, and it didn't materialize that way. So, uh yeah, kind of a sucky situation for him. And you know the Eagles did certainly want to bring him back, but instead they wind up with both of their corners back instead. And I'm sure they're happy with that, happier with. They wanted that to bring
1: outside. him back at a number though. They didn't want to again. I think that's important to. No, like they didn't want to just bring him back at any cost. It wasn't like, we need to keep him. We need right. to give him a blank check. No, that clearly wasn't the case. And I don't think it ever should have been the case. And I think when people talk about character concerns, because I've seen that kind of come up, and c j g j had tweeted about that this week. He was like, oh, where, where was everyone saying there were character concerns, you know, when I was here in Philly during the season? <clears throat> you know, I, I don't think it's anything like, hey, this guy has legal issues or anything like that, clearly. Like, we don't know of anything of that to be true. And I don't even know if it's that like he's a bad team i I don't know there but there are clearly some kind of questions like you just alluded to about you know how he might um be if things go wrong and obviously if things are going wrong you might have bigger issues than how john c carter johnson reacts to that um but i think there are clearly some concerns slash questions there and I think it's hard to say otherwise when he didn't have this robust market. Teams were clearly not, you know, beating down his door trying to pay him any money he wanted. So, uh, you know, I think it's val. I don't think it's just I think some people look at that and be like, well, this is spin after the team loses him to make it, you know, more uh, palatable, palatable, palatable that uh, I looked. I, I <laughs> looked at sometimes I'm guilty of like looking how the word or like thinking how it looks <laughs> and pronouncing it like that, I guess, like with Shields minutae thing. Um. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Validable, palatable. To be clear, uh, but yeah, whatever. He's gone. Uh, I, 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 was, I did a Lions podcast this week. at uh, of Detroit, and I, I like. I think he's a good signing for the Lions. I think. I think it's possible mm-hmm. that the Lions made a good deal, and the Eagles are also how they handled it was okay. I think both of those things can be true. I don't think it has to be, well, the Lions got a good deal. So the Eagles messed up. I don't think that's how it has to be. I think, um, I think if anything, you know, Chauncey messed up the most in this situation. uh, Oh yeah. Like, like, I don't think that's even debatable, but whatever. Um, The Eagles uh, lost him and that's a bummer, but I think for the value, I think someone, I think one could make the case that like Terrell has the potential to be a nice value uh, for the Eagles. And, like the the situation here is he's in on this one year deal and it's possible that he's just a stopgap and the Eagles move on next year or because of his age maybe he kind of plays his way into Mm -hmm. a not like a mega contract but like he's a he's a starter for the next two or three years or whatever something like that um so i think that's possible and then the other signing the eagles made we should mention here is contavious street me. Do you know who Cantavius Street is?
2: I do. I remember him from whatever draft it was. Uh where he was thought of as a a, a high like a, a good prospect. Like a, he was he was going to go day 2 and he tore his ACL during his pro day with the Giants um, working out for um, them. Still got
1: It was with the that? Giants. He was working out for them. They sabotaged him.
2: Oh, I don't I don't I don't recall that. That's yeah. interesting though. Um but anyway, that messed up his draft uh stock. And he wound up going fourth round anyway, The d- despite like he was clearly going to have to redshirt his, his first year. The Niners took him in the fourth round anyway, uh, redshirted him, didn't do anything, didn't do much, I should say, his, his first two playing seasons in the NFL, so essentially years two and three of his NFL career. And then he earned a rotational role in his fourth year with the Niners, um, continued in a rotational role uh, after he hit free agency and signed with the Saints uh, a year ago. I think it was funny when, uh, uh, I think it was Schefter who broke that news. He, I guess pro football focus has their own idea of like what mm. a sack is. They kind of, they felt like, well, this is a sack because blah, blah, blah. And not just because the guy tackled the quarterback when he still had the ball. So I don't know. I guess pro football focus had him down for like six sacks or something like that. Maybe they count half sacks as Maybe. full sacks, which actually I don't have a problem with that. I, think I don't know. Actually, but, I think that's it. I think um, you're
1: actually right. I think they do do that. Yeah.
2: If they, act, I actually kind of agree with that a little bit. Like, if that's the case, Hassan Reddick has like 800 right. sacks in his career so far because <laughs> he's had to share a ton of them. Uh, anyway, uh, but Chapter tweeted that he had six sacks, and I'm looking at his stat page. I'm like, mm. that's not right. He doesn't have six sacks. Anyway, it's six and six and a half over the last two years uh, as a rotational defensive tackle, uh, undersized guy. He's like two, roughly two ninety pounds, like six two, six three, something like that. Um, you know, kind of like a, a, an energy guy, but yeah, he was at one point thought of as, um, you know, uh, potentially even like a high day two prospect, like a, like a guy that could go round two. Um, but he suffered that injury and he fits the theme of, of a lot of the other Eagles signings in that the Eagles have signed a lot of guys, pretty much everyone they signed has been a, a one-year deal on a cheap contract. We don't know yet what the details of the Contavious Street contract are I'd be shocked if it were anything other than a one-year deal for like basically, you know, something close to the veteran minimum, but they've, they've signed a lot of guys with uh that were high draft picks that have injury histories and to, you know, one-year deals worth basically nothing. And the guys that qualify for that basically are like Rashad Penny, who was a first round pick. Obviously his injury histories are, are well-documented Justin Evans, uh, the safety from the Saints, uh, was a second-round pick. He has uh, even worse injury history than (laughs) Rashad Penny, uh, and they signed him to a one-year deal worth basically nothing. Nicholas Morrow wasn't a high pick. He was an undrafted rookie free agent uh, of the Raiders back in the day. Uh, Still a young guy. I think he's 27. But he missed uh, a a full year in 2021 with, I think, an ankle injury, if I recall correctly. So basically, what they're doing is they're finding these, you know, you know, these players that at one time were thought of as, uh, you know, good prospects have like ability in their bodies, and um, you know, apparently all these these were all guys that the Eagles liked uh, at one time or another, and their values became, you know, lower <laughs> after you know the in- injuries sort of slowed their careers and their lottery tickets basically. So they're signing these guys in bulk. And if I don't think they're relying on these guys necessarily to like come in and and play important roles, but if they do, then great. Like if one of those, if one or two of these guys pan out and they become decent players, decent contributors, uh, on the 2023 Eagles, then, then I think, uh, that's great. And then anything thereafter is just kind of gravy, uh, at that point. Certainly I think the the guy with the best chance of, Doing something really good for the Eagles is Mm -hmm. Rashad Penny uh, in 2023 because of his just I mean, he's a stud when he's healthy, but just has never been healthy. But there's been that theme basically of just signing these one year contracts in bulk with guys that at one time or another showed something.
1: Yeah, I think that's reasonable, especially because let's be real. The Eagles aren't working with the biggest budget. (laughs) They can't just go out. And yeah. spend a ton on external guys, especially after they made some moves to keep their own, as we documented earlier here. So I think it's a reasonable strategy. Uh, the downside and the reality is that all these guys might be terrible because, like, they're, there's a reason they're cheap. It's then part of it is because they're not, you know, well-established players. If you get one guy who I think can last beyond this season and be a piece moving forward. I think that's kind of a success. Um, and if you just get a couple guys who are at least this year, even if they're not, you know, great, as long as they're like not disasters on the field and like, don't get cut mid season, but just gives you like, let's just say somewhere around like the quality of like a Marcus Epps or maybe a Kaiser white last year, mm-hmm. who like, and maybe that's even a little high. I so thought they were good, but um, you know, just like a solid player um, who's a stopgap option. You're not going to build around them, but they can come in, they can take snaps, and they're not going to uh, wreck your defense. And that's not going to be like, let's say Josiah Scott coming in and being the weak point and targeted over and over, yeah. something like that. Then I think that's a it's a pretty big win on street. He's almost like a really poor man's Javon Hargrave, I think you can say, uh, in that like you look at his, his grading over his career, uh, has not graded out favorably as a run defender ever, but gives you a little bit more of some pass rush juice. And the Eagles needed to replace some of that production on the interior, not just because they lost Hargrave, but you Ndamukong know, Sue and Linval Joseph might very well not be back. And that's a lot of defensive tackle snaps to lose. So they needed another, they they're, they're still going to rotate their defensive tackles. I feel like even with a new defensive coordinator, I just feel like that's like an organizational theory. I don't even think that's just a uh, defensive uh, coordinator related because they did it under Schwartz. They did it under Gannon. I'm expecting them to do it under Sean Desai. Uh, you have Fletcher Cox, you have Jordan Davis, you have Milton Williams. That's great. Um, but you need more bodies than that. And I think, you know, they're adding street to be part of that competition. Um, I don't I don't even think it's necessarily a guarantee he makes the team. But, you know, it's him. It, it's like Arnold to a you know, they can draft someone. Big Marv. Marvin Wilson is still in there. They all compete for a rotational job. Because usually they go like, what? Noah Ellis. Uh, Noah Ellis still around. Uh, like a, a poor man's Jordan Davis. Um, <clears throat> that's uh, a spot where they like to go at least like four or five players deep in terms of rotating the bodies at that spot. So. Uh I think it's a reasonable signing and you, and I believe you are right by the way with that half sack thing. I'm looking at his uh stats here on Pro Football Focus and I th- I think I forgot that they don't include uh half sacks. They just count it as full sacks and I see 6.
2: I uh, you know, I actually kind of like that. Uh so I mocked them before but now I take that back. Sorry Pro Football Focus.
1: Um all right. Yeah, and I and so, you know, it's it's not like, oh wow, how he's like a genius. This is amazing. I think it's kind of uh it's just it's reasonable it's good i'm not trying to say he deserves no credit i'm just i don't think this is like incredible outside the box thinking i think it's a reasonable thing to do in the position they're in they're trying to find as opposed to let's say signing you know some like more 30 year old guys who might give you a more of a sure thing in theory but like there's not a lot of upside there they are signing some guys with some level of upside so um i guess like a good Trading for like a Michael Bennett, yes. for example, or signing Deshaun, or and or Mike Wallace, these yeah, guys who yeah, are yeah. kind of more Malik yes, Jackson over the hill, and like in theory could help contribute more to a Super Bowl window if they were the version of themselves. But I think where the Eagles mm, are giving yes. themselves more leeway, we leeway for here again is like the upside that hey, maybe one of these guys. Um, comes here and it's the right situation for them and they're on an ascension and they'll be better than we expect at a good at a good value because we didn't spend a lot of resources on them
2: you mentioned his run defense by the way contavia street uh the great denise oh yes selman meant to bring this up pointed out <laughs> that uh he was the guy that landed dickerson just mauled pancaked got called for a holding. It was one of the one of the worst calls that went against the Eagles mm-hmm. on the it wiped season. It went down a touchdown year, run, right? Uh when they played the, Yeah, Kenny Gainwell had a long touchdown <laughs> run He got called back because of he just a because nonsense he holding them call. so badly that it was a penalty. <laughs> he <laughs> Yeah. He did his job yeah. so well that they were like, there's some, something something <laughs> yeah. must have happened there. But yeah, cantavius Street so, got owned uh, yeah. on that play and wound up uh you know benefiting from Having mm. a hold called on the guy blocking. So him. yeah, definitely <laughs> uh, I might
1: speak to he might not be the best run defender. Uh, anything else?
2: No, I think that's about it. You covered it. I'm I'm with you in, in that the strategy of bringing in these guys who again, you know, no sweat off their back if they don't make the team because yep. they're not paying them anything. So uh, if they don't make the team, they don't make the team. And if, like I said, if one or two guys pans out, great. If three somehow pan out, wonderful. Uh, But yeah, it's just they're all these low risk, uh, potentially, you know, high reward, maybe not high reward, but reasonable Mm -hmm. reward type players that they all make sense for for what the Eagles like to do. And um, and they all make sense in terms of like the positions that they targeted as well. Uh, But yeah, I'm I'm all on board with, with what they've done in free agency, given their tight budget. All
1: right. Righteous Felon craft jerky. Go to com. Discount code BGN for 15% off your order. Keep it short and sweet for you. Again, com. Discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order to help support the podcast and to help get some great snacks. And wildrangerpet.com. Discount code BGN15 for 15% off dog snacks. Jimmy. Back after this. Back here on BGN Radio, Jimmy was out at the owners' meetings in Arizona where the Eagles lost the Super Bowl earlier this year. Tough scene. Uh, Jimmy, what did you glean from your time out there in the desert?
2: It's actually the third time I've been out there since October. They were were there in October. I was there. I stayed like an extra day or two. So I was there a while. I was there for nine days. Committed a crime. (laughs) for the super for the super bowl and then out there again for another 4 days uh, earlier this you stole a rock week, right? So that
1: you weren't allowed to do
2: <laughs> for Groats, yeah i brought a, a rock back for mm. for bob Groats. um and i won't do that again but <laughs> uh yeah anyway um you know it's it's one of the better events in terms of just kind of uh information gathering and that kind of stuff um, cuz people are loose they have like a big party Uh, the first night there, it's crazy. Like it's all the first time I ever went to this huge annual owners' meetings party. The food there is crazy. It's like steak. There's like you know really good seafood. There's just all like the opulence. Basically, like it's rich people being rich. In the in this case, like this year they had a a petting zoo with llamas and like baby goats and like just that kind of thing. It's just like that kind of scene. Nick Foles was there. First year Nick Foles was what's there that?
1: at the petting zoo.
2: <laughs> I don't know where I don't know where that's they going. Go. But there you go. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> all right. There are little baby, little baby goats had like pajamas on. Like one, one, one baby goat had like these blue, like light blue jammies with like uh, uh I forget what they were, bananas, mm. I think, all over them. Anyway, very cute little goats. <laughs> uh the first year I was there, I'm waiting in line for steak. And John Elway is like behind me in line. He was at the time, the GM for the Broncos. <laughs> like, I remember like thinking like, what what is happening here? Like t- if 10 year old Jimmy could see this. he would be like, Holy crap. That's amazing. Uh, but anyway, it's, it's a very, it's very, it's the best. It's the best event of the year in the NFL. Like it's way better than combine. It's way better than the senior bowl. Uh, it's a better trip than like any of the games or whatever. Uh, and like people are hammered at this thing. (laughs) Like, let's just be honest. So like, you know, people say stuff when they're hammered. Uh, but anyway, um, sort of the takeaways that, that I had from being out there, you know, just beyond, uh, talking to drunk people or whatever. Um, we already talked about the CJGJ stuff, but like the, I came away thinking that offensive line Mm. is going to be, is I, I put that number one on my list of likely positions they'll address with their first pick, wherever that may be, whether they stick and pick a 10, whether they move back, uh, you know, whether that pick gets traded for a a player and then they, you know, uh, use the 30th pick on Mm. whatever. I think the first, I think they want to add a young player at offensive, specifically at Mm. offensive tackle. And if they can also play guard, then great. And for three reasons, one, they don't have any depth. Like it's it's just Jack Driscoll, and th- that's like it. Yeah, Sue Opeeta, Brett Toth. But you look like you look back at like the seasons where the Eagles have had disasters. 2020, 2012. Like those two seasons, they were decimated by injuries in their offensive. Maybe not even decimated, but they had some injuries along their offensive line. <laughs> they had like some. Total scrubs filling in. Like, you know, 2012, you have Demetrius Bell playing tackle. Uh, 2020, Jake Scott you have. In 2012 um, too? Jake Scott, yeah. I think, is another one in 2012. Yeah. uh 2020, you have the guy that was adjusting. Oh my God, clubs, i forgot like, mid Midplay.
1: <laughs> what was his, his name again? Him. Oh, man. He was so. That might be the worst Eagles player ever.
2: <laughs> he was so. He got just. T- on like on like I, I don't know if it was the same drive uh or the same quarter but he got just tossed out of the club on one play <laughs> and then on another play he's, <laughs> he was a j- J'mon J'mon Brown. Brown that's he it Jamon so Brown bad. he was a disaster <laughs> but you know those two seasons where they just had horrible offensive line play like head coaches got fired after those seasons they don't want to go through those disaster seasons so they don't have any depth um, so that's a short-term need. And you look at their offensive line, it's probably the best starting offensive line in the NFL. I don't think anyone's particularly close, but I do think they still want to add to it uh, in terms of depth. And then you look obviously long-term Jason Kelsey's going to retire at some point. I think the Lane Johnson extension, which we didn't mention is, you know, that's the news item too, but they, they extended him in a way that, I mean, he said during like a mental health talk in either, was either October, or November, this last year that I attended, he said that he intended on playing, you know, one or two more years after the year that he was already in. So he's going to, and like the the extension that he did sort of um, uh, relays the confidence that the Eagles believe that as well. So he's going to play in 2023, 2024, but then thereafter, who knows? So they got to replace these two legendary players <laughs> in the near future. And the Eagles don't like to wait until the last minute to do that. So I think they're going to sign a guy, not signing, I draft a guy uh, at, at tackle. And if he can also play guard in the short term, when, you know, if, if uh, Jason Guss retires, Cam Juergens moves from right guard to center, then, you know, he can fill in there in the short term. But then also you look at free agency this year and you look at like, I don't know, positions like running back or safety. And there's plenty of like decent enough players available at those kinds of positions. You look at offensive line. The third highest paid offensive lineman that went from one team to another. You know who it was? Brandon? Mm, Mike McGlinchey? It was Andre Dillard. Oh, wow. (laughs) He's the third highest paid offensive lineman to move from one team to another, which just goes to show you what kind of crap is available no but but just which it just shows what kind of crap market there usually is for the just offensive line in general um i I say Amalo I believe was was maybe fourth or fifth on that list uh but McGlinchey and and, and Orlando Brown were ahead of uh at Andre Diller but they're just not slim pickings in free agency and the Titans paid him almost paid Dillard almost ten million a year for a guy who played like not even triple digit snaps last year and has been very shaky whenever right. he has Who played as like no versi- very little versatility.
1: I don't think you can see he's like definitely no doubt about it. Great. Yeah.
2: Right. So if you don't have an offensive lineman, you're not finding them in free agency, unless like you're really lucky or you wildly overpay for a player. So it's either draft draft and develop or wildly overpay. And the Eagles would much rather draft and develop. You look at their offensive line now. They drafted, I mean, every single one of those guys. Jordan Mailata, seventh round. uh, Left tackle; Landon Dickinson, second round. Jason Kelsey, sixth round. Uh, Cam Juergen, second round. Lane Johnson, fourth overall. So they're they're all drafted, homegrown offensive linemen. And I think they're just going to keep adding to it and adding to it. Because that's just what they do. So certainly defensive line is... Another major need, and w- if they took a defensive line lineman with with their with whatever their first wherever their first draft pick lands, certainly wouldn't surprise me. They took Christian Gonzalez because they think he's just a great cornerback. Wouldn't surprise me, but I think that offensive line is the most likely position to be addressed with wh- wherever they wherever that first. And then pick just
1: lands. even looking at some of their first draft <clears throat> visits, excuse me, uh, they brought in Paris Johnson. They brought in DeWan Jones. So you know, it's not like. Mm-hmm. It's- it's on their radar to some extent yeah. um i was listening to the new uh, jack mclean podcast which people should check out uncovering the birds um and lane johnson was on the second episode and i recommend you listen to that jimmy and everyone because like it's a very harrowing stuff between uh you know what he went on and it still goes on with you know his mental health and the battles mm-hmm. there but just even beyond that the physical toll and that does not sound like a p- likely player to me, at least, who's like planning on playing, you know, like w- into his late 30s, the way that, you know, like Jason Peters right. has. And even maybe, but even maybe the way that Jason Kelsey is kind of getting closer to that. Yeah, like, just maybe things change. You know, money always talks. And when you can get these big deals that maybe, but I don't know. It, just, it I think it's a little different. Lane has, you know, made pretty good money given the fact that, you know, he was a high draft pick and he's. He's he's made good. uh, He's had some really good deals here. So, um,
2: he's got kids that he wants to that he wants to spend more time with too. It just
1: seems like I mean he's even saying like, and it doesn't seem like he's even having a ton of fun. Not to say he's never having fun, but like I think the fun is kind of waning, and there's a lot of pain, and it's just like okay, (laughs) like I get it. My point being, I don't think the Eagles should be just merely counting on having him around forever i think he could i mean he was ready to retire he was talking about how he was ready to retire you know when like everything was going on in 2021 when he had to step away like he was ready to kind of just like shut it down at that point so um yeah not to say it will happen but i'm saying like i think he could walk away at some point sooner than expected like that that possibility exists so if you're the eagles you have to prepare for that and like you said who are their backups right now at tackle it's Jack Driscoll who I think you know is he can fill in in a pinch but if he's a 17 game starter Mm -hmm. for you I don't think that's great and uh I mean he's also the backup at left tackle right now unless it's Brett Toth there's no no right starter there so you know god forbid he has to play one of those spots who's the next guy off the bench it would be Toth currently but like okay so and uh even though I have gotten on the Eagles in the past for I feel like there are times where you should kind of try to take advantage of the fact that Jeff Statlin is so good. And that's because at some point you have salary cap, you have limited resources at some spots at some times you're going to have to be able to do more with less. And maybe you should kind of try to take advantage Mm -hmm. of that. I can't really fault them too much for investing at this point, especially in the most, I'm not going to criticize them too harshly if they're going to pour the resources into the most important position and the success they've had with that unit and how it's, it's like the it's not a luxury it's the foundational like it's the identity of the team is basically i think is an offensive line uh is like this ethos of like we control things and we just do what we want on offense and you can't really do too much about it because we're just going to control you up front um and even if you have like one of the best run defenses in the league we're just still going to run all over you because we our offensive line is so freaking good uh among other reasons so uh yeah i definitely think that's in
2: play On the, uh, Jeff Stoutland front too, where, you know, he's given the credit for developing players into maybe more than they, than what they might've been elsewhere. Prime example being Jordan Mailato, of course. Well, you know, Lane Johnson, (laughs) he was a fourth overall pick and he was expected to, to be a a very good player in the NFL, but maybe not the best offensive lineman in the NFL, (laughs) which is what I believe he is. So, you know, he can, he can get the most out of like extremely athletic uh you know uh guys that are that are set up for success anyway and and maximize those guys talents as well it's not just mm-hmm. the late round picks um anything else any other scuttlebutt Yeah so Bijan Robinson I think that's the same point that I just made uh, on the offensive line where you look at free agency and there's nothing there and you look at running back and there are you know a lot of decent options They're not going to take Bijan Robinson at mm-hmm. 10th overall they're just They're just not. There was some like because there was some.
1: I've seen some pushback on that. Sorry to interrupt, but I see. I saw some people being like, Jeff Lurie said they want to invest in elite offense,
2: so that means they're going to take Bijan at 10. It's all about offense. That's not what that means, (laughs) it's not what it means, and they're not going to take him. It's just forget it, get it out of your mind. They're not going to take him at 10. If he's there at 30, sure, absolutely could be in play there, but at 10 absolutely 30, no chance yeah. No snowball's chance in hell they take they take a running back at 10th right. overall it's just i don't know where the cutoff is so I, another like a question mm-hmm. that i've gotten is well, what if they trade back like what if it's like pick 18 what I if it's like pick 22 so. i don't know i i don't know i don't know what their board is like i can't tell you like where they have guys all like the rest of the guys rated but i can tell you right now he will not be their pick at pick number 10. Just look will not Lane happen. Johnson. Look
1: at, like, look at, these, look at these guys who, and Fletcher Cox, who, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of at this stage in his career. It's re-signing, but whatever. But the point being, like, look at these guys who can be around for, like, 10 plus years or Brandon Graham. Like, yes. These are the kind of guys they're envisioning when they're taking a pick like that. Not to say, like, that's definitely all going to work out because that's not the norm, but that's the ceiling they want. And if you take a running back at that spot, right. I, You can guarantee it's not going to happen. It's that just, not going it to be there in eight to ten years. That's not yes. how it, that that position does not work that way. Um, so it's just
2: maybe, maybe might be there, but not playing at the at the high levels that guys. Yeah, well, like it would be Johnson, a very it'd Brand, be, Brand,
1: be Graham, incredible, etc. Jason, that yeah. is already unlikely. You know, Lane and like getting to that point and that good, but like a running back is even that much more unlikely. And even if you think that's dumb or whatever, and not the way they should think about it, that's your prerogative. But I'm, it's, we're just telling you, like that's that's how the team thinks. Like this is like what they're gonna do. Yes. They're not gonna do it. I just, I, yeah. I really, sh- I will believe it when I see it. And until then, then I'm just, I'm not gonna waste my time thinking it's gonna happen.
2: I hear the short term arguments. Like there's a good argument to be made that he gives the Eagles, like he he could have more impact in specifically in 2023. Than any other player in the draft, there's a good argument for that. But that's just not how they think. They think long term, not you yeah. know, not just we have to get back and win the Super Bowl right now. It's not like Jeffrey Lurie's dying, <laughs> like and they and like they they have some kind of mandate to get something done, right. but before he goes or something like it. it's just it's not realistic. It's not reality. They're, they're going to take a, a player. They're going to take a player ten that or or you know with with that for with a high pick for with the next decade in mind, not the next season in mind.
1: And in their minds, they're not going to be this high again. Like they're not going to be picking at 10 anytime soon in their minds. Cause they're like, we have a good thing going here. So like, I feel like we have to, we can't just like, eh, we'll just, you know, luxury pick. We'll just blow. No, they're like, we probably need because of the way, you know, we're going to be paying this quarterback And, uh, you know, we're not going to have always the cap space that we can just, you know, so easily add big pieces like we need to do a good job of adding adding a a foundational player here, a player that kind of upside who has the chance to be here for a long time because this opportunity is not going to come by anytime soon. So that's another reason why I don't think it's going to happen. And I don't think he's going to be there at 30, to be clear.
2: But if he was, yeah, of course, I think he'd be in play. Uh, Next running back of note, Zeke. (laughs) Uh, you never. I mean, never say never. Who, like, who, who knows? If he really wants to play for the Eagles that badly, and he they get him for nothing, then yeah, like no guaranteed you know, money at I all. Can, sure, I can, I could can make an argument where he could be a really effective player in the second half of games where they have a lead and they're just pounding you know teams into submission. I can, and short I can make an argument for him instead there. of having
1: to use Hertz as much.
2: But I've made the argument in the past also that a lot of Cowboys players in the past sort of still wanted to be Cowboys and weren't super happy playing for the Eagles after having been their rival Mm -hmm. for a long time. Um, I think we certainly saw that with um, DeMarco Murray. I don't know about Miles Austin. Miles Austin might have just been totally washed by that point.
1: After he had been with the Cowboys.
2: Skandrick is just a douche. (laughs) Um, <laughs> so, but, but also I think the flip side of that too, is, uh, there's sort of maybe an idea that, and this is more with the Cowboys than the other two NFC teams, they just view the Cowboys players as, you know, not one of them. Like um, the players, the so, teammates, they, they view their new, y- yeah. yes. Right. Like, remember Malcolm Jenkins grabbing the chair for, <laughs> for DeMarco <laughs> yep. Murray, DeMarco Murray was like, not really that hurt. Yep. And he was just kind of watching training camp from the sideline, and Mark uh, <laughs> Malcolm Jenkins ran off the field, grabbed a mm-hmm. chair, <laughs> an empty chair, and put, put it next like to, right to Demarco Murray. Right? Like, you may, you might as well, you might as well sit down mm-hmm. and be comfy, Demarco. As long as you're not going to be practicing out here with us, which how comes that you, did you actually did I you did. see that I happen remember, like, uh, I
1: remember you took it from the family tent which is off to the side it was in the far field yeah. I remember exactly seeing that that's that's Malcolm
2: that's legendary <laughs> by legendary by Malcolm uh so yeah, I mean I wouldn't say it's like a zero percent chance, but I'd say it's pretty close to zero percent chance that uh that and maybe this is different like where you know cowboys players you know wish they were still a cowboy player. Zeke named the Eagles as one of the three teams right. he wants to play for. So maybe he might be happy here. I don't know. But um, I just view that as a very, very low. Uh,
1: like I said this before they even cut him. I said this like right after the Cowboys season ended, which was very funny because it ended with Zeke getting steamrolled as a center uh, in their playoff loss to the 49ers. Uh, I said that I think he's going to be back in Dallas. Like, he, he, I think they're he's going to okay. be up there on the market for a long time and mm-hmm. Jerry Jones even said like he didn't close the door and bring him back and i think they're going to bring right. him back and these cowboys fans are going to be like oh we got Zeke back like on a deal where <laughs> we, it's not even any money like you know so it's effectively like a, he you got him back yeah, for 4 million not uh, even uh, whatever a huge pay cut whatever 3 million even if he's whatever. playing for them for free <laughs> even if he was paying them money to play i think that's a, a mistake by them because if he's going to be there, they're going to overuse him still. Like, I don't know that they're going to, I'm not yeah. saying it's going to be their lead ball carrier, but they're going to use him more than they should just because he's there and they have an emotional attachment to him. Um, so I've been on the record saying, I feel like he's going to end up resigning there and it's going to be this heralded move. Like, oh, the Cowboys did this smart thing. They cut him and then they waited out the market <laughs> yes. and they got him back. And now great. Uh, And then then, like, no, it's not a smart move. It's a bad move because again, I think the having him there is going to be this temptation to use him uh, on more touches than they should.
2: What's funny too, is uh, on that point too, earlier in the off season where Mike McCarthy, after they, did they fire Kellen Moore? I I don't know exactly how that went down. So they fire Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy says, I want to run the ball. We're looking to win games, not, not, not be the, that be a high octane offense. <laughs> like, like, what? What are you talking about? That <laughs> doesn't make any sense. And like there's all this uh evidence that, that the Cowboys are like they're uh super efficient when they throw the ball on early downs and not really efficient mm-hmm. at all when they run the ball on early downs. So everything he said kind of goes against the idea of like that's the best chance that they have of, of winning. I, I want to win with my defense, my defense is is the bomb. My my offense could be good but we're going to run it. We want to make sure uh we we win games 17 to 16, not not 35 to 27. <laughs> you know, it's crazy it's crazy. So yeah, I can see them overusing him if they brought him back. Um what's next Fletch. They bring back of course on the one year deal worth 10. Um probably overpaid. It oh, was he the market, though. Like... I mean,
1: no, he, he took less money to just come back.
2: <laughs> he, so he was actually on Chris Long's podcast, mm-hmm. Fletch. I don't know if he caught that at all. But he had an offer. For, he was almost done, apparently, mm-hmm. with the Jets. And um, I, wouldn't, I don't know if I would say this is one of the factors or whatever. But he did happen to mention that 91 was taken <laughs> with the Jets. It was uh, uh, John Franklin Myers, yeah. I think. Where's 91 for them? And he's established yeah. an enough player where he's not going to you know, switch. Probably doesn't want to yeah. give up his number. Um, I don't know if that's a, was really a big factor in him not going to the Jets, well, but he did mention it, it on Chris than Long's nothing. podcast. Yeah. If it, it was in his head. So uh, anyway, the 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 idea the scuttlebutt was that he signed for a little less with the Eagles than what the Jets were offering. Uh, the defensive tackle market was out of control. Were, like the safeties was were out of control in the other way, where they just got paid nothing. Um, you know what's his face, Jesse Bates aside, uh, defensive tackles got paid like crazy. Like Zach Allen, the, the Eagles had interest in him. He uh, what did he get? Like fifteen million a year or something like that. I, I don't know what Dalvin Tomlinson got off offhand, but um, I, my understanding is they, the Eagles were also interested in him, but he got money. They they were sort of priced out. Uh, on him as well, uh, a little bit of a younger player, but, uh, so that, you know, they, they go back to Fletch Fletch had seven sacks last year. I've looked at them. They're legit. They weren't like gift sacks, but like they're, those are seven good moments and the bulk of his season, you know, really wasn't great. He, like he made some impact plays, I Did guess, he? but can you name any, they just, yeah yeah some of those sacks were were like they were legit plays like I think there were a couple of force fumbles in there but um but on the whole, like when you look at his season he was not he was not good against the run, no, and there were times where he was single blocked i mean not times there was a lot of i mean he got a lot of he got all kinds of one on one matchups all season long, so he was a beneficiary of that certainly in the and the rest of the Eagles outstanding defensive line, and uh he was blocked pretty commonly, whereas he would just destroy single blocks in mm-hmm. his heyday. There's no way in hell you'd leave him, you know, one-on-one against a guard with against, you know, without any kind of help at all uh, or, you know, you know, beware to have your offense wrecked. Um, but yeah, he's, he's obviously on the downside of his career, 10 million is a lot of money for a guy like that. But that defense, like it's, like I said, that defensive tackle market was really out of control. And he did have interest in other players, but the other players they had interest in just got paid mm, a ton of money. Yeah,
1: I don't know. I've said what I've had to say on Cox at this point.
2: Uh,
1: is that it? Anything else?
2: I'm curious. I'm curious what Dalvin Tomlinson's... uh you did
1: sign with the Cleveland Browns, who are uh, they employ former Eagles uh, executive Andrew Barry and Catherine Reich in addition. So maybe some analytical models mm. kind of
2: like him. Uh, ones of the all right, so he got this is very Mike Francesa of us, where we're like, <laughs> it's just like dead air. And he's like,
1: I, I sent you the thing. Oh, yeah, Franca- he got four- oh, you got it. Okay, never mind.
2: I was gonna <laughs> bring up a story four years, 50, four years, 57 million. So he got almost 15 million. I sent
1: you the thing of Francesa recently. I've sent it to you in the past, but I sent it to you recently, I think, of where he just like was analyzing some, uh, like March
2: Madness, uh. Oh yeah, it was Maryland, Florida State. He had no idea what he's talking about. Oh yeah, it was a good coach. And
1: uh, you know, they've they've done some good things this year, they've had some good games, they've had some bad games, just like the most generic analysis where he could just so transparently tell he's never seen and he shouldn't. Like, why would he? Why would Mike princessa know intimately like this knowledge? But it was just so He thought they
2: were in the same conference and they're like, They play each other. Oh no, wait. Maybe they didn't play each other this year. (laughs) <laughs> well, they played each other in the past. <laughs> oh, that's so good.
1: Um, is that it from the owners' meetings? Yeah, I think okay. that's the crux of the intel. Uh, there, of, there's other stuff, but that's that's those that's the that's the, well, that's the good stuff. First. I think. All right, Jimmy, let's take a break, uh, but not before we hear about
2: Christian Roach, of Roach Realtors, and RoachRealtors dot com. Eight five six nine zero six nine two nine five is where. You can call or text Kristen Roach, Roach Realtors. She's the best realtor in the history of the universe. Uh, Actually, just walked wow. in the front door. I don't know if you saw me wave to her, no. Brandon, or not. Uh, and I pointed to my headphones like, yo, don't come mm-hmm. in here. I'm recording my podcast and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, she is the bee's knees, my friends. So if you're looking to buy or sell your home or rent, mm-hmm. whatever, 856 906 92 nine, five. Also, like this is the time of year where people start like, you know, kind of deciding if they want to put their homes up for sale, move, whatever. Um, You know, if you're just curious what your home is worth based on comparable sales in, you know, your town or your neighborhood or whatever, she can give you a sort of an idea of what that is. There's no charge for that. Just kind of, she can give you an an idea of what it is. And then if you want to put your home up for sale, great user. If not, keep her number Mm -hmm. on file. Uh, but again 85690692. I think it's important Brandon.
1: to have a realtor you can trust. Indeed. And I think Kristen Roach is exactly that. So we will be back after this.
2: Kristen Roach of Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours. Kristen Roach of Roach Real Tours. She's the greatest. A oh nine nine oh nine
1: nine 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 Back here on BGN Radio. So a little peek behind the curtain, Jimmy and I will often talk before the show and be like, okay, we can keep this pod not too long. And then it ends up going way longer than I expected anyway, (coughs) which I guess is not a bad thing. Um, I guess it means the conversation is flowing. We're not like running out of things to talk about. It's not like an awkward first date where you're like, all right, well, not really much more to say now. So what do we (laughs) talk about? Uh, I have a friend who, uh, her name is Ivy, who would talk about how she knew someone. Growing up, who would say, so what do you want to talk about now? And like, unironically, <laughs> not as a bit, not as like a funny thing, like ge- like uh, genuinely. And I just like, I can't even <laughs> imagine being in that situation. That sounds terrible. That's um, funny. That's It's not a good time. Uh, so now we... But uh, well, what do you want to talk n- about yeah, now? Now we, na- now we say that to each other as a bit. It's funny, but um, not so funny if it's not a bit. Uh, really quickly to end the podcast, Jimmy. Kelly Green is back. It was expected to be back. It's funny because having covered the Eagles, you know, for Bleeding Green Nation and you uh, for your outlets, including Philly Voice now, for the uh, over the years, every year, it's like, all right, we get this Kelly Green update. And for years, like, you know, like 2014, 2015, whatever, it was always like Lurie would be asked about kelly green and there'd be some like vague answer and it's like people would yeah work, oh we want to bring it back and then people would be like excited but then they would hear it every year and they're like yeah hey, i'll believe it when i see it like we're, there's no progress being made. yeah and then the one year they and it was kind of like i remember when this happened it was kind of it wasn't even like lurie saying it it was the eagles submitted a proposal and it didn't get any attention it was like they, they kind of quietly on that sheet of all the proposals that kind of gets tweeted out or mm-hmm. or sent around each year. The Eagles proposed the second helmet and I was like, Oh, well, mm-hmm. that must be for Kelly green. And sure enough. Yeah. Uh, it was. And the second helmet got approved ultimately and teams were wearing, uh, different, you know, alternates, uh, starting in the 2022 season. But the Eagles of course, As Lurie explained at last year's owner meetings would not have the Kelly Green available for 2022 because Nike needed to get the color right. So they would have it available for 2023. And in the meantime, the Eagles would wear a black helmet for the first time to match their black jerseys. But now it is 2023 and Kelly Green is back. So how do you feel about it?
2: Yeah, bring it on. Um, I wonder how how much people, uh, I guess people still really care about it. But then, like you said, like the buildup has been for almost like ten years. Well, last time they wore them was was yeah. twenty ten, so it's been like thirteen mm. years since they last wore them. Um, and I wonder if like the buildup has taken so long that people just like you said, like kind of stopped caring about it. But once they're here, once you see them, like, and I guess we'll we'll the first glimpse we'll get of them. My understanding will be, uh either late spring or early mm. summer. So like May or June will probably be when you'll first get like, uh, when they'll unveil like what they look like. You might even see like players like dressed up in them or, or whatever. Well, you might see the helmet um, before so the jersey. we we'll see.
1: I would feel like, because I feel like teams were doing that last year. I don't I know. I feel like teams last year would do the helmet and they wouldn't always necessarily. Oh, did they? Okay. But I don't know. Maybe they did all at once because the Bengals, you know, had like that white helmet to match with the, but who knows? Whatever. There will there will be
2: some kind of. I'm sure they mm-hmm. will kind of do some kind of reveal at some point. And then who knows what what teams they'll they'll you know, wear them against? Um, I would imagine it'll probably be like some team that's been around for a long yeah, time. Yeah, be like a, um, like the last time they wore them, they wore them against the Packers, of course. Um, so I don't know. I imagine it would be a, team a Giants like that. team. But the question that I got was, are the black helmets going away? And for now. Yeah, kind of, but maybe <laughs> not. So, like, there's only two helmets. And uh, I think that most of the teams around the league mm-hmm. want three. They want to – most of the teams want to have some alternate color and then also mm-hmm. black, like the Eagles. So the Eagles want to have that third helmet. And I think a lot of other teams around the league also want to have the third helmet. So it's not out of the question that they could wear their regular midnight green helmets, their Kelly green helmets, jerseys, et cetera – and then also the black ones this year too, again, don't know. Uh, but at some point it's so like, I, you know, it, Jeffrey Lurie got asked about it. I actually asked him about it after his interview session was over on Tuesday or whatever it was, uh, after like the cameras were off or whatever. I don't think it was off the record or, or anything like that, that we just kept asking him questions after like he had already gotten up. So I don't think it was like off the record or anything like that, but, um, you know, th- this isn't like any well. Kind he had of said this publicly. He had they,
1: said last year he wanted a third helmet. Like he was yeah, pushing yeah, yeah.
2: for a third yeah. helmet. This isn't any kind of secret information. I don't think it's just it wasn't streamed. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, he said uh, he basically said, yeah, we'd like to have the third helmet, and if there is a third helmet, mm-hmm. it'll be black. So, uh, and and he he's, he's my my sense was that he felt okay. pretty confident that it would they would have one this year. Well, if you can add a second helmet, you know, like I don't he, know, a third helmet. Yeah. Uh, also, don't think they're going to be playing in Germany hmm. this year. By the way. Okay. Because there's two chances for them to play in Germany. One is the the Chiefs and the Patriots are hosting games mm-hmm. in Germany this year. It's not going to be against the Chiefs. They're not going to have the Super Bowl rematch be in Europe. Like, there's just no way. There's a chance, maybe, or there was a chance, maybe that they could play the Patriots over there. But at that, it again, nothing mm-hmm. final on on that or anything like that. Yeah. I'm not breaking news here or anything like that. Please don't. Aggregate this, but too late. My, I don't think they're playing, and I don't think they're playing in okay. Germany this year. Um,
1: <clears throat> we'll see the schedule when that comes out. Uh, what's that like? Like
2: after the draft, I think A week or two after the draft. It's May. Yeah, it's like the second, third week of the May. Draft. It was like the week before. They did, but the NFL is smart and also annoying <laughs> at the same time. In that, they, like, I I want to know where I'm going like as early yeah. as possible. I loved when they had it in April, but they like to have something going yeah. on. At every point during the calendar, the only month where they really have nothing is June. But they at least now have the schedule coming out in May, so they have one month where they have like nothing. I guess there's OTAs or whatever at the beginning of June, but you know, whatever. (laughs) But like June aside, or like they have something going on. It makes sense
1: to wait to after the draft anyway, because there's still big trades could happen, and um, uh, you know. Different draft I guess. matchups, depending on who takes a quarterback or whatnot. You might want to, you know... I guess. So, it's I fair. get that. Um, all right. So, I, I'm excited about the Kelly Greens. I think that's their best color for me. People are like, oh, they won the Super Bowl in Midnight Greens. They can never wear Kelly Green again. They won three championships in Kelly Green. That was their last championship before the Super Bowl. I just mm-hmm. think it's a more modern color to me. It's more fun, more vibrant. Uh, I feel like I still see a lot of Kelly Green out there. I think that... I feel like the coolest Eagles merchandise I've seen, like some of the coolest items, whether it's like a starter jacket or like a a hat or whatever, I feel like they're always Kelly green, like the very coolest of the cool. I think it looks like Kelly green, Mm -hmm. not to say there aren't good midnight green items, but I don't know. That's just never really. They looked awesome
2: in that 2010 game against the Packers too. Michael Vick running around with that. LaShawn like that. that, Those jerseys were very sharp. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So uh, interested to see what they look like. I think it's like Jalen Hurts and this I've, there's already been like since he was drafted a number of like edits uh, of Jalen Hurts and Kelly green. And I don't, for whatever reason, like he, yeah. those colors, just like pop on him. Like those are, they, I think they look great. So I'm excited to see him. Okay. Um, I mean, imagine that like them wearing, wearing the Eagles wearing those like against the Cowboys in a big game. That could be a lot of fun. So I'm, like, it just mm-hmm. adds a little bit of an extra juice, an extra special feel. So definitely interested to see how those turn out. And then last thing we have, and I did an emergency podcast, Jimmy, with Benjamin Solak about this. Something I've been calling for for a long time. Why not have the NFL uh, have zero as an option for players? Why not? And the Eagles proposed that, and which shows they listened to the podcast and listened to me, and it got through. And we gave our takes on the podcast, uh, who might wear that, who should wear it but I wanted to get your take, Jimmy, who should wear, who should be the first number zero for the Eagles?
2: Yeah, I can't mm. gain well, uh, cause he's got a bad number as it is in 14. So you eliminate the bad number on the player, but then also he's, you know, kind of like an ascending player. And, uh, although he's, you know, my, my only apprehension about it is it's a small mm. sample size of his ascension as a player. Like he played well down the stretch last year and in the playoffs, like to see a little more maybe before I'd give out a zero to Kenny Gamewell. But a lot of the other like really good players on the team, like I think they just look good in their numbers as is like Devante, I think mm-hmm. looks good in six. AJ Brown, I think 11 works for him. Uh, one of course works for, for Jalen hurts. Perfect for him. Um, you know, so on and so forth. So I don't know. I'm curious what you guys say.
1: I feel like well, Ben had mentioned Hassan on Redick. I don't think he will change it, but I think that could look cool an edge rusher. I love him I, in I seven. I don't think he's going to change. I think seven looks, looks, yeah. looks he, great. You know, he had it at Temple. Yeah. I mean, it, there's a decent chance the Eagles could draft someone and they could take that number. You know, yeah, like you Christian Gonzalez Oregon was zero in college. Or yeah. um, maybe, like, you draft Nolan Smith and you put him in zero and you have him and he's a smaller guy yep, and you like have him in red at zero and seven as your edge rushers. That's pretty cool. Yep. The single, I like... I always said this about um, <clears throat> Stephen Nelson and once when, when Slay changed to two, I liked Stephen Nelson in three, probably more than I w- much yeah. more than I would have if Slay had stayed in 24 and Nelson would have been in three. I don't like that <laughs> right. as much. Uh, and now you have. Funny enough, Bradbury in twenty four and Slay in two. Um, but I like the synergy of player two starters at the same position wearing like a like a single digit number, or if they're both doubled, I like the mm-hmm. match. Either they're both double or they're both single. Um, so I, I could I could see that. And Nolan Smith such to get interesting. He's like a smaller player, so that would kind of be interesting. Yep. I've, I've seen people say Kobe
2: Dean should wear zero. Um, I don't know about that as much. Well, he I mean he was seventeen in yep. college too, and that, like that's his number. He's not switching out of that. I, don't th- I think that's a non-starter for him. I, I think my my proposal
1: is Marcus Mariota. I think Marcus Mariota should wear zero because uh, he's worn eight and one in the past, and those are not available to him here unless they...
2: Well, the Eagles fans would hope eight will be would
1: available because soon. because of Aaron Sipas. But, um yeah. And maybe it will, <laughs> but for the time being, it's not. And I feel like zero might be the closest thing he can kind of get to that. And I don't, what else do they have available? a backup quarterback like i don't know i mean i guess 10 right because Minshew was 10 um is four available three is available because that three. was pascal okay i don't know i just like zero he has the o in his last name i just for something about it i think he should be zero okay he sold me with the yeah, o in the last name with some synergy
2: so uh <laughs> it's funny how people i get like i see
1: people who get like
2: he went to Oregon, so the O. Stand for, and that's when he played his best football ever, was in Oregon. So maybe the O, the zero channels is Oregon. I like when play. people are like,
1: none of this stuff matters. Jersey colors or numbers. It's like, yeah, nothing matters in in general ever. So like, why can't we talk about something that's fun for one? It's it's like, no, football is serious, and you cannot have fun talking about it.
2: But you have players like on other teams yeah. tweeting about like they want to be zero. The the players very much care about. I just talked about Fletcher Cox. Like want to be exactly. no, be 91 still. It <laughs> may, may have affected his decision on where he played, whether he signed, he signed with the Eagles or with the Jets this year. So like, yeah, numbers think, matter. You know,
1: not everyone is like as steeped into NFL fandom or Eagles fandom or whatever as others in terms of like some Eagles fans a lot probably listen to this podcast. Probably know about picks and what those are. Others just want to have fun. And talk about and like, hey, like yeah. I like this player, he's cool, or like you know that. Hey, I like these jerseys. like you know that's, that's it's all part of the experience. We don't have to gate gatekeep fandom. Like you can be intensely into it, or you could be. It's fine. Like you, you know, I don't, I don't think we have to be like you can't talk about jersey numbers or colors. Uh, anyway, yeah. Get off of my high horse, um, <clears throat> Jimmy. Any final thoughts? Yeah, I got a story. Uh, remember? Uh, I remember your your old post. Uh, with... Oh, Uncle Jimmy's story yeah, time? Yeah, what you had to stop doing because... Yeah, my parents said you gotta delete those. <laughs> they were incredibly vulnerable and... Uh, I I think beyond oh, yeah, horrible. Yeah, I think yeah, they, they were... were scandalous. Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they're my parents were like, get those, what, like, get what are those are you doing? off the internet hey, You're easily. not... And pro- <laughs> probably good yeah. advice. I mean, you're not, I don't think
1: anything good can come of those. I mean, I think people have become endeared to you. <laughs> oh, people like them. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, in terms yeah, of, uh, I
2: think there's a lot of potential for downside, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> right, right. Something happens mm-hmm. down the road and they're, they pull that up from the past, you know, whatever. Anyway. Um, anyway, uh, last year at the NFL Combine, I, so there's uh, security dogs, oh, okay. of course. That are everywhere. Um and I went around and I interviewed all the the dogs. Guess, not the dogs, of course, because they can't talk, but you they're know. handlers. And I I <laughs> took pictures of all the dogs. I had like seven or eight of them or something like that. And uh I interviewed them about like where they're from, their likes, their dislikes, and you know, basically I just it took me a few hours to walk around the the so the the corridors of the uh, Indian, Indianapolis uh, Convention Center, Indiana Convention Center, whatever it's called. are It's just humongous in there. So like, I just wandered those halls for hours looking for all the security dogs I could find. And I interviewed them all. Fast forward to the 2023 uh, owners meetings and there are security dogs there too. Not as many because it's a much smaller property to have to, um, you know, kind of patrol. But I recognized one of the dogs, Opal who was actually the cover dog on my 2022 NFL dogs of the combine uh, article. So <laughs> I'm talking to that. I'm talking to that handler and I'm like, uh, yeah, I know all about Opal. <laughs> and uh, the handler wow. knew me like she, she, she saw the article and like that article had been passed around, like around like her family or whatever. And I'm like, yeah. Like I, I pulled up the article, and I'm I'm like, yeah. The, the, I, I was re I was reminiscing about Opal, this very very sweet dog. I uh, didn't get to pet oh. Opal the first time around at the NFL Combine, but I did this time. Her likes are snow. Dislikes uh, being bullied mm. by bigger dogs, and she was from Colorado. Okay. okay, so I see her one day, right? Have this, you know, re. <laughs> This long conversation with her handler. Um, next day, <laughs> Elliot and I are leaving this ho- the Biltmore, the Arizona Biltmore, It's like super mm-hmm. luxurious hotel where these owners meetings are. We're leaving the the Biltmore and there's a new dog. There's a different dog out there, and I go, "Oh, is that is that? <laughs> I recognize this dog too." I go, "Is that Spencer?" And they're like, "No, no, oh. no. This is Ticket." I go, "Oh, okay." So Elliot is kind of like, like oh, <laughs> like, like, <laughs> uh, you don't know your dogs like you think you do. So like I pulled up that article again. I'm like, but I'm like, but I'll tell you, that dog looks exactly mm. like the dog I'm thinking of. And I showed Elliot and I'm like, oh, it's not Spencer. It's, um, oh man, I, what the hell is the dog's mm, name no, again now? No. This is a bad job by yeah, me. You're, you're really not uh, proving your point here. Oh. I've really not proven my point. Hold on one second here. Dogs of the Combine. <laughs> Alright, there's Opal, there's Brutus, Panther, Pongo, Sherman. Sherman is the one I thought it was. So I go, oh, it's not, it's not Spencer, mm. it's Sherman. So the handler over hears me say Sherman, and she goes, Oh, Sherman is Ticket's brother. Wow. <laughs> so I'm like. Yeah, take that, Elliot. I told you I knew what the what that dog looked like. So now I'm like talking to the handlers, uh to Sherman's handlers. I'm like, "Yeah, I got a, like I got like a coin that like Sherman's handler gave me. I still have it. It's in like my computer bag. Uh I I I carry that that coin around just cuz it's in my computer bag. It goes everywhere I go. And I'm like, I also have <laughs> I have a I have Sherman's baseball card. <laughs> I could hear Elliot like behind me like laughing that I have a dog's baseball card for some reason I don't know why that they brought up Opal. Opal, the other dog that I met that I reunited with the day before. And I go, "Yeah, I know Opal. Her likes are <laughs> her likes are snow. Her dislikes are when bigger dogs bully her. She's from Colorado." And these handlers are looking at me like man, this guy is like a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> I, know all of, I know all about these, these security dogs that go to NFL events. And there are like other reporters. So Ellie and I were, were out there getting our Uber rides mm-hmm. back to uh, our hotel. But so are like a lot of other reporters. I don't know who was exactly was out there at the time, but there had to have been like half a dozen to a dozen like other reporters who witnessed me going on and on about how I have this dog's baseball card, how I know, like, this dog's friend, Opal, and that her, <laughs> her likes her snow, you know, dislikes other dogs bullying from Colorado. I know all about these dogs <laughs> from the combine, and they have no context on this whatsoever because, they you know, they didn't hear the previous conversation the day before whatever. whatever. Uh, but anyway, it was very funny that... Uh, and Elliot's taking pictures of me. I saw one, yeah. He's like... <laughs> he's like... He's like, yeah, Jimmy's talking about how he's got this dog's baseball card. Now he's petting the dog. <laughs> so good times. One thing I'll tell you, too, about these dogs, actually more about Madden, mm-hmm. the video game. This is super impressive. So uh, when I was talking to Opal's handler, Opal, Opal's handler, I think her name mm. was Cody. She's, she's like, Madden took video oh, yes. of us just making movements like our normal like dog movement, sniffing stuff and whatever with in front of like a green screen and they're in the game Madden. It's crazy enough that they, that Madden would even have like security dogs right. in the game. Like they're on the right. sidelines during the game. It's crazy enough that they would even have mm-hmm. that to begin with, but then like to also have the movements of the, like a, like to actually take the time to put them in front of a, like a green screen or whatever. And like that, like all the, the, like the the balls on them like you know that that like get the right movements mm-hmm. and everything for like a, a handler and the dog but then it's like next level to actually get handlers and dogs that actually patrol right. real nfl right. events that is insane mm-hmm. elite level detail by madden i kind of get got to give it up to, to them for that all right um that was a, that long, was a long final, final thought, thought sorry
1: um, but sorry, <laughs> we are a very pro dog podcast here. For sure. I want to give some shout outs to some dogs. I know, um, Paul, Duncan, Bev, uh, Meadow, Lawrence is a cat, but I'll, I'll include him there. Shout out Lawrence, uh, obviously Charlie and butters for your pets. Yep. For sure. And Lily Emily cat. Um, Dan has a dog. What's her name? Mumsy. Right. Shout um, out to Dan's dog that I can't remember the names of. Um, you know, honestly, shout out to all the dogs. Let's be real. Love dogs, they're great. Um, oh, and Monster, who is a boxer who I love. I love boxers, partial to boxers, but I love all dogs. And uh, Keiko, so those are just a bunch of random names to many people, but uh, for the people who the dogs who listen to this podcast, I think they appreciated it. <clears throat> all right, yeah. so we will be back, Jimmy, next week, uh, to talk more draft. We're finally gonna dive in April 1st as we're recording this, so draft is. 26 days away or so Uh, a little under four weeks here now got some visits to talk about what the eagles might do with those first round picks in addition to kind of some of the stuff we already talked about today um so much to get to they only have six picks but i'm sure they'll get more by trading down or whatever so we'll have that for you next week Uh, In the meantime, you can subscribe to the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed to check out all the shows we have here. Um, Shane Half and the guys are doing a great job of breaking down some of the position by position rankings and whatnot and doing some mock drafts here. So definitely check those out if you haven't already. Obviously, the NFC Mixtape keeps rolling along each week. Um, John Stolness just had Ed Kratz on, your your, uh, uh, beat reporter who I feel like you've said is underrated in the past, Jimmy. Um, So...
2: I, I, I do. He sits nest, next to me in the Eagles media so you can, house. That's right. At the yeah, Fair so you Cowboys. can check
1: out that interview with Stoleness. Uh Richelle has Above the Nest going on, of course, as always. So we have a lot of great stuff on the Bleeding Your Nation podcast feed. You should check it out. Subscribe, rate, review. We appreciate it. Um, leave a five-star rating and review. I haven't said that in a while. Uh, check out our sponsors, Righteous Selling Craft Jerky, or dot com. Use discount code BGN for 15. off your order. They have more than just meat snacks. You can check out their website. I always like to say the website is free. It doesn't cost you anything. You check it out, you see anything you like, use a discount code that is a permanent discount code. Unlike some of these other discount codes you'll see for various promotions out there. Um, This one doesn't expire. You can use it as much as you want. And there's a lot of value in that. There's a lot of, there's a reason why companies typically only do like a one-time discount code, Um, but this is a forever value. So it's a really good one. And you can use the same discount code at wildrangerpet.com. We just talked about dogs. Uh, Jimmy, those dogs would really, I'm sure, would love to have some wild ranger pet. So you go to wildrangerpet.com and get some dog treats there. BGN 15 for 15% off. If you're looking to buy, sell, or rent a house, or assess your property, assess your house value, uh, you want to call or text this phone number. 8-5-6-9-0-6-9-2-9-5. And you'll be in touch with Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. You can also go to Roach And Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon Galton, Jimmy Kemsky on Twitter and Instagram at Jimmy Kemsky. WittingourNation.com and PhillyVoice.com are the websites you want to check out for your nonstop Philadelphia Eagles coverage. Jimmy, I'll see you next week. Goodbye, everybody. B
0: G N.